0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The huh Podcast. We are excited to be with you. It is episode 33.
1: Larry Bird.
0: What, what? Uh, Randolph Morris. <laughs>
1: oh, Anybody? throwback. Anybody? Yeah. Who's
0: that uh, that just came from left <laughs> field, honestly. I don't, I'm don't. i not even 100% sure it was his number, but I think it is. I it think was, yeah. It was 33. It was 33. Yeah. Um, he played for uh, the greatest program in college basketball history. Um, and we're excited to be with you on episode 33 of The <laughs> HUM Podcast where we are um, diving deeper into um, theological and biblical uh, topics and truths. Uh, one, so you can learn more about those, hopefully. Two, well, wait, let me back up. One, so we can learn more about them. True. Um, especially me, because I don't know any of this stuff. So uh, two, so you can maybe hear a little bit. Um, your interest may be piqued, and you can go and do your own reading and learning on the scriptures we talk about or, or the topics that we talk about so today we are going to be looking at postmodernism. Um, it's a big word, uh, and we're going to talk about what it means. Um, what was the series called? This one that we're on? Isms. isms. Okay, this was is the isms. So the the church. What was? What did we call it? The church? Uh, church on Phonics. Church on Phonics is coming is next. Is the next series. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it's, I'm excited for that one just because of the name. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to go through the isms. So postmodernism. Uh, we're going to talk a little about a little bit about that. We're out of our rhythm here. Um, today, we we're are. a little different, um, and it just got really silent in the gym. Did you guys notice that? Oh, good. Yeah. No, uh, there's a basketball practice, and we record in the room next to the gym at my church here. And there's a practice going on. I think they literally just ended as we started the podcast. So. Nailed it! Nailed you the time. You also gotta know it's eight thirty at night. What?
1: <laughs> Garrett's got a Garrett mouthful of Oreos. Was, Garrett literally And, and has like I don't five, know if y'all
0: understood any of that. He has that. literally like five Oreos <laughs> in his mouth, and he was just trying to talk. Like he literally. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so Listen,
2: I haven't eaten since lunch. It's eight thirty at night. Yeah. I just got back from a basketball
0: game. Well, I'm hungry. That's Oreos not my fault. right in front of me. That's I not can't my fault. Oreos. Well. Hey, uh, can we just praise
1: <laughs> Hey, can we just praise the Lord real quick? Always. I just got a notification from Chick-fil-A on my phone. It says, "New year, new brownie on us." What? I'll take a free brownie. Thank you. We trying you. to go after this? Let's or? go. Somerset.
0: All right, so postmodernism. Yeah, yeah, we we'll have, <laughs> we'll have to come back to Gary in a minute cuz he still has a mouthful for us. <laughs> <wrist. laughs> I mean, just. So, I
2: had to down him real quick
0: to, yeah. have to talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, clearly you s- still can't. So. We'll take over for a little bit. Yeah. Postmodernism. There there's a lot of different thinkings and um postmodernism is affecting What what
0: is what is so like when we say postmodernism, like what category does that fall into? Is that like a type of art? Is that you know you know what I mean? Like what yeah. what is postmodernism? So
1: there postmodernism has an effect on art. Okay. Um it has there's postmodern architect <coughs> uh architecture. There is um, it also affects like history okay. and the sciences. Uh, it, it's the type of thinking that that affects pretty much anything, um, as well as Christianity. Gotcha. So uh, it's like a way of thinking. Yeah, it's like a way a of thinking. A, you know, I was reading even philosophy today. Or, yeah, or something like that. I was even okay. reading today like postmodernism affected different hmm. areas at different times, uh, and, and maybe some. Maybe the arts were earlier, and then later on wrote into and I don't I don't know which one, which order it was. Um gotcha. but just kinda of reading on that. But now that's kind of the thinking in today's time it okay. is a postmodern thinking. And uh postmodernism Does uh, that mean it was really they, 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 they it was
2: <laughs> regardless of what it infected, it was always a philosophy. It was always yeah. a philosophy that then like this philosophy infiltrated art or it infiltrated a view of history, it infiltrated a view of theology, it infiltrated a view of of science. Like postmodernism is the the notion that truth is relative, truth is subjective, that you decide your own truth. Have you ever watched Oprah, Oprah Winfrey?
0: Um, very few You get a times.
2: car. Yeah, you get a yeah, car. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah Everybody has look under your seats. <laughs> okay. O- you Oprah go. has this well-known saying of she wants her people to come on her show and speak their truth. There. That's postmodernism. Sure. That's the notion that your hmm. truth is somewhat different than the truth or so someone th- else's truth. That, that your experience dictates what you believe. And what you believe is your is truth, but someone else can believe something else and that's also true. So
0: that would insinuate there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute in a
2: postmodernist view, there is no absolute truth.
0: No baseline to test <clears throat> any right theme, so, any element of this world as right. truth.
1: So basically truth would be useless and to even call it So truth. does the word truth <laughs>
0: exist in that thought? <laughs> yeah.
2: So and that's, <laughs> that's it's, it's funny because like
0: So there's no opinion either.
2: Well, here's the thing.
0: Because opinion is truth.
2: Here, If a postmodernist I'm confused. accepted truly <coughs> the concept of truth, truly? you could refute a postmodern view of thinking by just simply saying, well, if you believe truth is relative, then you're also making the statement that that is a truth. Okay. So that just crashes the whole postmodernist view. But exactly. because they refuse to accept truth as anything, basically— you can't say that. They'll just say,
0: well, that's your truth. Yeah, so by saying it's truth is relative, yeah, is really they, saying, they can, all right, it's how is scapegoat. that true? Yeah. <laughs> if there's that's no what you think, but I say it's not. <laughs> <And> um, <clears throat> let's uh, let's back it up, Terry. Uh, if you say postmodern, post means after or following. So that means there had, has to be like a modern, right? There's modernism and pre-modernism. So
2: postmodernism... Um, is kind of relegated to the um, <clears throat> late 20th century or eh, probably mid 20th century depending on your thinking um, a, a lot of postmodernist thought kind of birthed out of World War two um, and and the the aftermath of that and um, a lot of a lot of Nazi Germany was Came from kind of this modernist, um, th- this the peak of modernism, and I'll explain modernism in a second. And then postmodernism came from that, as uh, from the aftermath of that. But then you had before modernism, pre modernism. So the the dates of Of these views, these philosophical ways of thinking, um, pre modernism is basically antiquity, so like. From the beginning of human ability to think, that would be when pre-modernism began, all the way up until around the, the time of the re- Renaissance, um, which would have been in the 1400s. Um, a lot of people will, will say the fall of Constantinople was when pre-modernism ended, and modernism would have began around the 1600s. Um, the Renaissance and the Age of Exploration is a period of 200 years between the fall of Constantinople. And what would be considered the beginning of the modern era, um, and then modernism kind of came to its peak or conclusion in 1945, and that's when postmodernism began. And so we're kind of we're kind of in a, a a transition right now between modernism and postmodernism. But postmodernism is being really fed into specifically universities, and so it's growing. and And the church, I've said before, the, the the biggest, the, the biggest <clears throat> conflict or kind of—the uh, the biggest thing that the church is going to have to face in the coming 20 years or so is going to be what to do with postmodernism, how to—not necessarily mm-hmm. combat it, but confront it. Um, so oh. to understand that better, pre-modernism is kind of this notion that, that this— this really this extra focus on the supernatural, that everything is dictated by supernatural, by by God, by by divine beings that that truth and reality is is governed by them. Modernism is kind of the antithesis of pre-modernism. It's the focus on realism, the focus on reason and logic and science, and quantifying everything. Postmodernism is the abolition of both. Saying, mm-hmm. listen, pre modernism brought us nothing but war and conflict and fighting over which God is correct. Modernism brought us nothing but conflict and the, these Nazis that came in and, and tried to uh, destroy an entire race for the sake of science or whatever. <laughs> Postmodernism now is saying truth is what you make it. You know, truth is whatever you grow up believing. Truth is whatever your culture is. Truth is whatever um, your, your society tells you it is. Um, and, and that's kind of what's really beginning to govern the thinking, especially in universities and um, pop culture today.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, been, it's a problem in the church because what we're seeing in, in postmodernism and what we're seeing in the thought process of people now is that this is now a post-truth world. To to where modernism is dealing more with truths, postmodernism is dealing, as Garrett said, there's no truth. And this is the problem. Um, You know, if there's no truth uh, or if all truth is relative, then what are we supposed to believe? Mm. You just believe anything. And and that's what, um, and that's hard when the church, because the person we worship, Jesus, said, I am the way and I am the truth. So postmodernism would be a complete rejection. Uh, not a complete rejection. They could say, oh, yeah, Jesus can have his opinion. And There's got to be ours. more than one way. Yeah, but he right. couldn't be the only truth. Exactly. They could say, oh, yeah, we re- we respect Jesus' – That's your truth. Um, yeah, we, we right. respect his thought, yeah. but he can't be the only yeah, truth. Yeah,
2: postmodernists wouldn't refute Jesus. They wouldn't say, well, I don't believe you're the truth. They'd yeah. just say, oh, if you say you're the truth, you're the truth, yeah, but me, I don't have to yeah, believe you Yeah, me too, are. bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Same. So a, a premodernist would yeah. say – this guy says he's the truth, I'm going to see if my gods are more true than him. A modernist will say, well, I'm going to reason out and see if you actually are the truth. Mm-hmm. A, pre- a postmodernist will say, well, if you're the truth, I'm also the truth. And So yeah. it, it's kind of a different view of, of that statement yeah. in regards to what if, you're saying. If you're listening to
1: this, you've grown up in a postmodernistic society. Um,
2: or the, You've grown up really in the beginnings yeah, of In it. the beginning we stages, yeah. I don't think we, we can say that, that we're on the fringes of watching it begin. Like yeah. we're kind of at the tail end modernism began at the tail end of the renaissance. We're be, we are the tail end of and, 100 yeah. years from now they're going to call this time period right. between 2000 and 25.
1: We're seeing it break out more and more in the last few months mm. um with ideas the and, conflict and politics of it of and conflict. this is and, my
2: truth, you know, yeah. the, the contention between left and right in the political aisle between conservative yeah. and liberal and and theology that comes from this postmodern view of this is my truth and my truth is correct. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's actually not even just, it's a clash between postmodernism and modernism because modernism is the search for the real truth using science and reason and logic. Postmodernism is the assertion that truth is relative. Okay, so <clears throat> because we have this viewpoint that truth is whatever you want it to be, Everyone on both sides of the aisle or, are or saying, you know, truth is what I make it to be. My truth is correct. Mm-hmm. And the other side saying my truth is correct. But then they're coming in conflict with one another because while they're touting this postmodernist viewpoint, they also have modernist right. seeping into them from the past where you got to make sure you find what is the actual truth. And so you, it's not really possible with within the human mind that is so bent on reason and logic to truly be postmodern because you innately want to find the truth. Right. We innately as human beings want to seek out our creator. We want to seek out our, our founder. We want to find out what is true. So saying that truth is relative, is just a contradiction of our nature.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, and what the big problem is, you know, we get into Christian thinking is in this postmodernistic society, there's no determining what is right and what is wrong. Because everybody's truth is to themselves. Mm. And we see that as a big problem. Of course, in Scripture uh, or through Scripture, we see that we're to be obedient to God. But if there's somebody with a postmodern mindset and they say, well, that's your truth, but this is my truth, th- then there's it's, you can't determine what is right or what is wrong with that mindset. Uh, and Christianity is based on the fact that it is truth. The Word of God is based on the fact that, hey, this is the truth, the absolute truth, uh, and that God is absolute truth. Like we said earlier, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. And that's, um, that's hard for a lot of people to understand now. I'm seeing that a lot. Like, how can you say, I see people kind of today's mindset, like, all right, how can you be so bold to say your mindset is the only one that's right? Or how can you be so bold to say that your views on marriage is the only thing that's right? Or how can you be so selfish to to say that um, you know how we should act or you know how should we should go about in society? Uh, who's to say that your truth is more important than mine? And we're seeing that clash, especially with Christianity. I think it's a big deal with Christianity in the outside world.
2: Yeah, you mean? Are you saying like like with a secular world cla- crashing with Christianity, or Christianity clashing within itself? I'm
1: saying more Christianity and secular. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd right say, that's but also true. within Christianity. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
2: you look at like at, at the churches, at denominations clashing with one another, with with individual denominations breaking <laughs> apart and saying, "This is the truth. This is the truth," and yeah. and, and clashing there. Um, I I was thinking. Earlier today on this pod on on what we were going to be talking about, and I came to this thought of you know, you know how the secular world how Satan would tear the church apart is by pitting the church against one another and Mm -hmm. saying you know we're divided and and focusing on the little seat church instead of the big seat church Mm -hmm. and and saying you know you believe this they believe this you know. Yeah. One of you, one of you are wrong, or, or separate yourselves from one another. Because when you aren't unified behind Christ, or when you don't fully adhere to the unifying figure of Christ, then it, everything just falls apart. It all breaks apart. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's that kind of mindset within the church of a merger between postmodernism and modernism, where truth is what you make it to believe. But at the same time, we're searching for truth. And if this is what my truth is and I stand firm on this is the truth, then you're wrong and I'm going to fight you about it. That just does nothing but bring strife and conflict and division. Yeah. And, and we see that between secular society and the church and within the church as well. And it's a dangerous yeah. mindset. We also
1: see it with false teachers today um, or, or maybe even those who are straying off into progressive Christianity yeah. that, you know, they, they're not holding Scripture as truth. Mm-hmm. And because they're not holding Scripture as truth, um, we're seeing, one, if, if you're not holding Scripture as truth and you're saying something contradictory to Scripture, you're a false teacher.
2: I, I, I read a quote from Francis Chan that, I, that really just sticks out to me. He said, when I'm reading Scripture and I find something that I disagree with, I have to remind myself to have the first, that my first response needs to be that I'm incorrect. Yeah. That scripture that if I'm reading something in scripture and I say that doesn't make sense or that can't be right, yeah. I have to assume that I'm the wrong one that scripture is not wrong. I oh, have sure. to know that what I'm saying is incorrect in my head and I have to figure out why scripture what scripture is truly really saying yeah. or what you know why it would say that. And so for pr- uh, progressive Christians and when we use that term progressive Christians, it's really people that that look at scripture And they kind of merge it with the way culture is shifting yeah and 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 they they a lot of it has to do with picking out bits and pieces of scripture and plugging it into their ideals their you know their subjective truth and and saying in order for scripture to match what i believe in society today I'm going to progress it along. That's Mm -hmm. what a progressive Christian would say. Rather than standing firm on the inerrancy of Scripture and saying Scripture is without fault because it is the Word of God, and I'm going to assume that I'm wrong, not Scripture's wrong, a progressive would say the Bible's outdated, the Bible has errors in it, I'm going to assume that... I'm right, and the culture is right, and the Bible needs to fit me. Yeah, um, that's the difference between a conservative Christian and progressive Christian. Progressive Christian would tout very heavily towards postmodernism. Yeah. And when you do
1: that, you're destroying any absolute truth at all. And, and then in that mindset, you can't determine what's right or wrong, yeah. because you're just saying, "Oh, I think this." But who's to say you're in control of yeah. what people should think, or you're in control of what the truth and is? And just think
2: about how dangerous that is for the oh, church. It's as so whole. dangerous.
1: In 2 Timothy, um, I saw this verse, 2 Timothy 4, or chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. You know, it it warns us of, uh, you know, I believe it warned us of a postmodernistic society that, um, and even in the time of Paul, I believe they had these problems as well. But it says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they're going to have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves Mm. teachers to suit their own passions. And we're seeing that displayed. Uh, in christianity right now
2: well think about how many times someone will make the statement of i go to this church or i listen to this person or i read this person because i like the way that they view scripture right like well, golly shouldn't we all just understand scripture as scripture right i mean you can make the argument that some someone might exegete it better someone might teach it a little bit more understandably, yeah. but to say that they interpret scripture in a way that I like, just
0: kind of is or it makes me, a slippery it makes me slope. feel
1: better. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: I heard uh, a statement today that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, there's a guy that was talking about postmodernism, and he was expressing that he believed postmodernism was there at the beginning. And he talks about Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm. And he basically says, you look at the story and you look at the serpent, and the serpent says to Adam and Eve, did, did God really say that oh, you yeah. can't eat from that tree? Did he really say that? Is that what he really meant? Or did he mean something else? Mm. And so that person's list would argue postmodernism has been here since the beginning. And I would argue that
2: Paul agrees with that. Yeah. Because... Listen, I was um, I was reading up on. It actually, might have been a video I was listening. It might have been yeah. Paul. I don't. I don't know. Well, I was at, I was reading. Paul. Up. There's <laughs> Paul. was um, <laughs> Paul Peter John. Paul was on YouTube and he had <laughs> <laughs> there's this book that came out um, um, uh, like five years ago um. It's called The Moral Vision of the New Testament by Richard Hayes, Richard B. Hayes. Oh, I know Richard. Oh, Richie. My boy. It's a a massive book. But man, if you want to see a book where this guy compiles all of the ethical issues that we face today as a church, as a society, and then kind of says what the Bible says, says what the New Testament says about it, that's the book to read. And like Mm. you can you can find a lot of dilemmas in this book. And I was just kind of reading through it today. Um And he was talking about the topic of homosexuality in the church. And he drew my attention to this passage in Romans from Paul, which connects to what you're saying from Eden. Paul is talking about human history in this passage. A lot of times we like to tout this passage as Paul saying that homosexuality is theologically and morally um, impermissible, which, you know, it is. But at the same time, this passage in Romans is actually talking about the innate fallen nature of humanity overall, and homosexuality is just, you know, a part of our, our, our mm-hmm. sinfulness. And, and I'll get to that in a second, but yeah. it, it stems from this search for subjective truth, or this desire for your own truth. And, and he, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21, he says, "...for they knew God..." They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over To the desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, Mm -hmm. and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. So, what Hayes argues, what I would agree with is that Paul is is making the statement here is that you know sin, including homosexuality, including gluttony, including Drunkenness including idolatry murder murder. it's all because of this notion that we don't hold God as supreme Mm -hmm. We don't hold God as the truth We hold ourselves as arbiters of the truth that we can choose what is true in our own minds Mm -hmm. and everything else Stems from that fallen nature Um, And until we come back to the grace of God until we come back to choosing God over everything else We're simply going to continue in that nature um, and, and, you know, Hayes goes on to argue for, in this article that I read is is that, you know, the, the issue isn't homosexuality at large, because he was saying, you know, the church makes this big issue out of this one sin, but the fact that humanity as a whole has degraded itself because we cho- chose our own truth, our own subjective view— of reality instead of God's and God just basically said you know what you can choose that you can have it go ahead you know if you're if you're I'm not going to fight for you or I'm, I'm not going to fight for you to, to to prove to you who I am I'm not going to prove to you that I'm the truth but in choosing this you're going to choose death mm-hmm. because all of the things of sin lead to nothing but death only the truth of God brings leads to life and, and that's the argument that Hayes says Paul is making and I agree with him. Um, completely.
1: I think we find ourselves asking, uh, and, and I think it's hard because in the society we're living in, with in this post tr- in the post truth society, and I think we see it a lot in the past couple of months with COVID and the elections and all that's going on. Um, what we're seeing is, in with social media and conspiracy theories. And, you know, I mean, they're just going left and right. Like, like people are posting these conspiracy theories. that They're saying this. Some people are saying that. and, and for uh, st-
2: UFOs are among us. Yeah, oh, UFOs, as we talked about
1: last week, are hey. like— hey. The, hey. it's birds. Hard to, yeah. Birds are not real. Bro. Birds aren't real. <laughs> Those are
0: cameras. <laughs> like, Those are
1: spies. So what do we believe? And in this post-truth society, it's—I think we find ourselves like um, Pontius Pilate. Uh, you know, right before Jesus' crucifixion, he, he looked at Jesus and he says, what is truth? Uh, and and mm. I think we find ourselves asking that. Like, I, I find myself, even a, as a minister, just kind of— Do you think kind of,
2: Pontius Pilate was asking that because he truly wanted to know what is truth, or because he was asking a rhetorical question of what is truth? I,
1: I think—I'd have to go like, back and read it. was he
2: inquisitive to know, are you really God? Are you are you telling the truth? Are you the truth? Or is he saying, "Now, truth is relative? I—
1: I'd have to go back and read it Like I kind of yeah. think more of the... I don't know. I, he was. Pu- I think he was puzzled. Mm-hmm. I think kind of like we are today in society, and I could be I've wrong. i wondered that question myself because yeah. I've,
2: I've read the, um, that statement and thought the same thing. Yeah. That, well, maybe he's like, this is an advocate of postmodernism, or, or yeah. maybe he's actually wanting to know. Like, I, I've read that. that I've is, yeah, that is thing. interesting.
1: But I do find myself asking that question. Yeah, but either way, the yeah. the,
2: the, the point is the same. Like, we search for truth yeah. while also saying it's impossible to know That what there is no objective truth, and think about yeah. think about our high schoolers.
1: Like like Garrett was a youth pastor. Uh, He's moved up. He's a big dog now, and (laughs) we only get to see him once a week. But he's old. (laughs) Me and Mike are youth pastors, and Mike, I just think about like think about our high school and middle school students. Like, you know, we talked about postmodernism is really ramping up now, uh, especially with social networking and social media and things like that. Like, just think about what's going through their minds. They yeah. have access to so much information. Mm. How do they determine what is truth as they navigate uh, their ways? Especially
2: when truth is, wow. Well, <laughs> possibly
1: I'm, relative.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think for like students today, I think a big piece of postmodernism, I think really probably the first piece of postmodernism that falls into their life. Um, and I'm kind of thinking about our community here. So mm-hmm. um, kind of a rural it's a hard word to rural. say. Rural. If you say it like a farmer, rural. Yeah, rural. rural. Yeah, I was getting a housing loan, rural. and they said, you know, over the phone, it was like rural housing loan. And I heard like rule, like yeah. the rules, <laughs> you know, and I was like, a rule. And then I was like, oh, can r- anybody rural. Even, I don't think anybody can pronounce that. R U R A L. So we rural. live in a non urban location. <laughs> um, and I think for our students, uh, and probably a lot of other ones, I think really the, the first pieces of postmodernism are the realization, one, we're in the Bible Belt, so two, that there are other religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question starts to be, uh, how is our religion the only one that is, or how is our faith the yeah. only one that is right? Mm-hmm. I like, think that begins the door opening of of postmodernism, of yeah. is, is what I believe absolute truth, or is that just the truth that I grew up in and I live in the Bible Belt? So if I move to New Mexico, Probably. it is that going to be absolute truth there? Is it going to be relative truth? And then if it is relative truth, how do I reconcile the fact that in my hometown, Jesus Bible is absolute truth. Mm -hmm. And then in my town in Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's relative truth. So how do you reconcile? And I think that's really where the door opens is the realization that there are other, we talked about this, we laughed. well, we kind of (laughs) joked about how, uh, me and a couple of students were talking about how, well, you get to an age, and because I grew up in Bible Belt, and he was like, you, when you first realize that not everyone believes in God. Oh, yeah. Because everyone, mm-hmm. you know, everyone that I grew up with believed in God. Even if my friends weren't like, you know, like didn't go to church every week, they still were like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, they would still claim yeah. it. And like my parents were, you know, and, and all that. And so as you got older, probably like middle school, when I realized, like, seventh grade is the first time I met a kid who like did not believe there was a God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Right. And so like that was like when the door really opened me to like, it's Not everyone believes this, um, what I believe. And then from there, you just see it everywhere. And then social media. And that was really before social media became yeah. really, really popular. So, Because in a so, yeah.
1: rural society, like you're right in the Bible bill. You're really
0: sheltered. I mean, like, you just are. Yeah, and, and, you think about how our kids would be without... Th- I mean, think about how we were. Without I'm me. putting us all in the same category. Yep. Uh, uh, Christian's from Russell, Garrett's from West Virginia. The so they didn't even have, like... electricity. I think they were still using, like, water-powered windmills for for (laughs) power. Um, No, but but in all seriousness, as we grew up, we we are the generation. 25-year-olds are the generation that social media was not a popular thing until really, like, Freshman year, our freshman year of high school. Now yeah, we well, can yeah. remember when social media and so Christian was like a joke. Instagram
1: came out in two thousand two Christian already, would have been your eighth grade year, I guess, because yeah. it was. I got it. Fr- I were, got an Instagram my freshman year of high school. Do, exactly. do you remember when and that was our ESPN sophomore
2: year? Would put like um, things that athletes said on Twitter, and I remember seeing that, and I was like, "What in the world I is saw I got Twitter. Twitter?"
0: What year did Cal get hired at Kentucky? 2009. I got I got Twitter in 2009 before he got hired because my brother was saying hey you should download this app you can follow who we're going to hire and then it was like when cal the rumors started yeah. and it, so i was following people to get the scoop i didn't know it was social media yeah. i thought it was a i literally exactly. thought it was a kentucky like <laughs> message board I, so i've had twitter basically i've had <laughs> twitter longer than like all of my friends did because and it wasn't because i'm woke and i found it i like it was
1: just because i i did not know what it was bro my dad had twitter before it all of it like yeah my dad had been in the twitter world for like two years and then i figure out what it is exactly and he's like a legend and it, it was it. <laughs>
0: exactly i was seriously i i think i i remember where i was we were in we we're at i believe we we're at disney because i was in the hotel and i remember general like yeah you can download it and like we we're watching tv it's like when cow got hired and he was like yeah you can see who he recruits and all that mm, stuff you followed me i thought what? it was i literally thought it was a uk like recruiting
2: board do you, do you remember the logo the default logo they used to give you the
0: egg yeah. oh the yeah it <laughs>
1: was some people like they tweet at, some people still do that they like tweet at you or maybe it's not an egg yeah, anymore it Twitter started in 06 yeah so I um, I think I got it in yeah. no eight and
0: so like none of my friends maybe. had it no and I wasn't like hey go download this because again I didn't know what it was right. so to that point I don't have it now I don't social media mine. has really skyrocketed oh, yeah. and I would say yeah. especially for, and this is an estimate, someone might text me, and be like, hey, you're dumb. This is not true at all. But this is my guess is for us rural folks. Rural. Social media, now that it's a normal, we get a, a view into the rest of the world, basically. Yeah. And Bible Belt kids that grew up in Bible Belt, you really quickly get a very, a very different worldview yeah. than we had at age yeah. eight, nine, 10, That's 11. True. And so I think postmodernism has really. The age of postmodernism, like, meaning the age where you start recognizing that's a thing. Of course, most can't even yeah. put a name to, to what that is. But um, is has gotten really Younger. young in the mm, last yeah. three or four or five years. There was a. I, I was mean, was how many listening. kids that you know? You, you know, we all work at churches, so yeah. we know kids. How many six-, seven-, eight-year-olds have TikTok and, like, Instagram? And have their, you know, their iPad has yeah. all these apps on them. Yep. And, man, they're... I know, parents, I know parents really try to filter on YouTube.
1: And they have I been mean, overloaded with to- information. I mean, yeah, I
0: know I, parents try to filter them, but there's really no way you can perfectly filter any of it. You, I, you just can't. I was listening to a
2: podcast today that was talking about this issue. They're named by a, a lady named uh, Nancy Piercy, um, <laughs> is a doctor, um, doc, PhD. I thought you're going to say Pelosi for a second? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, well, see, it's, it's this podcast I listen to called Think Biblically with one of my. Professors, his name's Sean McDowell. Um, oh yeah, Sean. Well, um, but, but it's like it's a really cool podcast. He just brings on like people that are experts in certain fields of theology and philosophy and yeah. stuff like that. And um, he's speaking I, at youth. Pastor, well, Sean I saw
1: Sean McDowell. You're professor.
0: He's yeah at my school. Oh, it's yeah.
1: awesome. He's go, he's gonna be at a conference we're going to. No kidding. Yeah, we just saw that. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah we're gonna hang
0: out backstage with him. I think. Okay. Yeah. Go get some chocolate. I had eat. him in class. Like he's pretty but, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know who. So. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Anyway, um, but he will so. be at our conference, and we'll hook you. up. Oh, okay, cool. I'll probably see him on
2: stage. <laughs> anyway, when I when I went to listen <laughs> to the, I was reading the details, and I went to listen to the podcast, and I thought it said Nancy Pelosi as well. And I was like, why is he interviewing Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> but it's Nancy Piercy. She's this in, is a political podcast. All of a sudden, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she um she wrote on on the impact that postmodernism is having on, on younger people. Mm. Um, and she specifically, she used this example of, she used to live in D.C., and she said, if you're a Christian in D.C., you are a strong Christian in D.C. Mm. because you have to have conviction, you have to know what you believe, you have to stand for your beliefs, because mm. there's a a melting pot of other religions yeah. and other people that are like trying to, to detract you away from your belief. But she contrasted that. She teaches at Houston... Um, Baptist Seminary, Houston Bible Seminary, a seminary in Texas. I think it's Baptist. Yeah. I think it's, I, that's, I've heard of yeah, that. That's where so. she teaches. And she said she moved to Houston, and she was experiencing parents who were lamenting over their kids going to college and just losing their faith. She said they grew up in the church. They never missed a Sunday. They never mm-hmm. missed a Bible study. They go to college. They left the faith. Yeah. And she said the reason that is happening is because we are not preparing within the church students— to face a society that is postmodern. We're not preparing them to f- face a society that has a multiplicity of views, both religiously and philosophically. And what ends up happening is we send them out, we we push them out the door and say, you need to go to college, you need to expand your thinking, you need to, to do this, but then when we don't prepare them on how to stand firm in their faith yeah. amidst this conglomeration of of ideas and, yeah. and, and theologies and, and religions and philosophies and this secular world that's just gonna beat down on them. And so shame on us for telling them to go into that world but then not preparing uh, them to face that world. Well, and, yeah for and sure. It's not just about saying over and over again, the Bible is true or this is true or or this is why you should believe it, but you know, we kind of need to say, you know, this is what other people think. This is another worldview, and here's here's a critique of that worldview. this This is what you know this religion says, and here's a critique of this religion. and here's why Christianity stands above it. if If we just say Christianity is true and here's why it's true, but then don't show the other things out there that people are going to say is also true. Ooh. We're we're running we're we're hmm.
1: playing Russian roulette right. with our with the faith of our kids. And it goes Michael, you were saying about the Royal Society and everybody in the Bible belt like believes like for example, that kid in alternative school who acts and behaves completely opposite of what Christ would. He never he might have never been a church in his life. Uh you, you know, he stays in trouble, stays suspended, beats up kids, cusses, all this stuff. I bet that kid will look at you.
0: Was that you? Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I bet that kid in a Bible book, he'll look at you and he'll fight somebody if they say they don't believe in God. You know, it's just like, you don't believe in God? Pop! Like, just punch him in the face. Like, Bro, like, is that that's, how we should be doing ministry? <laughs> yeah. It might be a kid. Like that guy that punched that kid in the chest. The
2: crusades <laughs> because, of high school students. See,
1: but like I'm in the gay. Bible belt, it's almost assumed <laughs> that everybody believes in God. I know. Like you mentioned, but you know, like you talked about in Washington DC, in these bigger cities and um and not down south, up north yeah. and out west, like these there's other kids that are growing up and experiencing all kinds of different religions. And when so we you, send you, our kids to college, that's like It becomes they. They it becomes real. Yeah, they're gonna experience. And um, man, it's so hard to so many different things.
0: And it's and it's our responsibility to teach them. Mm -hmm. Man, it's so hard because we live in such an experiential time. Right. We don't often trust people like we don't like someone will tell you something and I'm just like ah whatever, until you live it and you're like oh yeah Yeah. they were right and so it's really tough. You really have, I mean, it's just a matter of showing them who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, the, and and it's building that relationship with a, you know, we're specifically talking about the students, but for anybody, building that relationship to where they know they can confide in you, and even if they hit a brick wall because they have fallen into this world, this melting pot world, uh, into the secular world, and all of a sudden they're shocked by what, what they grew up is not what the rest of the world is, to, so that they know that they can confide in you, they can confide in other people. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's so important I think is I think a lot of times with students when they what what is it like 80% of students that were in the church when they leave graduate high school, they leave the church. There's like an 80% yeah. dropout. Oh yeah. It's a, yeah, it's and 80%. I don't know if I it's think, 80, but uh, well it's, high. it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot higher than 0. I think and it's it like should be 60. <laughs> zero, so yeah. okay, well, so I think I, I would venture to say a lot of them get to a point where they're like, "What am I doing?" Mm-hmm. But they don't feel that they can be welcomed back. Mm-hmm. Their remembrance of church was a judgmental or a hypocritical, yeah. Um, or, or shallow. And, and, yeah, shallow. Shallow is a good. And one. so they don't necessarily. And, and I'm not saying this is universal, because yeah. there would be some that just leave and never look back. But I, I can, I would venture to say that there would be some that would say, "I want to like the prodigal son. I want to go back." But have that fear, and instead of actually going back like he did, decide I, I can't. I'm gone, you know. Um, and I think that's our job as 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 one us ministry leaders, but two as Christians. Period, is to be able to build those relationships with people, and not gain their trust, you know, like maliciously, but but to gain their trust and it be real, mm-hmm. and like it be a real like look. This is what Jesus did. Jesus met the woman at the well, and he was like, "I'm not going to let you walk away from me until you realize who I really am." Yeah. And so there's a there's a thing there's a, a you know we we are little Christ as Christians that's what it means we're little Christ and so we need to represent Jesus to the best of our ability to every single person we meet. Um, we talked about this phrase last Wednesday night at youth. We may be the you may be the only Bible someone reads. You may be the only Jesus someone hears. You may be the G- only Jesus someone sees. Uh, and it's so important that we represent Him well and build those relationships with people so they know they can always come back, yeah. even if they stray. I, for me, personally, during
2: COVID, I've kind of had to reassess my my personal, I guess, mission in ministry, um, because, you know, we, there's a huge, not necessarily a drop-off, but, you know, with everything going either virtual or, you know, a lot of people not coming In person right now um, it's kind of hard to do evangelistic ministry where you're doing outreach and Mm -hmm. trying to get people in the doors and so I'm you know I've been doing a lot of prayer last year like well you know God what what are we called to do right now in the church what am I called to do specifically and I'm I'm realizing and my eyes have kind of been opened to how neglected we've been of really preparing the church for stepping out into the community for stepping out into the world and, and standing firm on their faith. And so, you know, we have this. Yeah, you know, I, I think we failed in, in two ways. We failed in really showing the foundation for why they believe people, Christians believe what they believe. You know, if I, I don't fully think that the majority of people in the church can explain the truth of their faith, that can explain and, and articulate, um, Christianity and and that's that's a fall on us, but then I also don't think that we are prepared you know to show our Faith to prove our faith to a world that denies the existence of objective truth And so we f- failed in twofold ways. We f- we failed to to give adequate reasoning and logic for why we believe what we we believe. Mm-hmm. Many people in the church just come because it's a tradition. Yeah, for sure. And then I think yep. we've also inadequ- inadequately prepared our church to reach a world where um, they don't view truth as being objective, where it's not possible to know what is actually true. So how do we reach people that, you know, if we believe what... If we state that what we believe is the objective truth, that God is the only way, the only truth, and he's the light, if that's what we believe, how do we articulate that and show that to a world that says, uh, it doesn't matter if that's what you say the truth is because yeah. I say the truth is something different. Because you can't reason with that. You you can't stand upon logic to make that statement. So we've we failed in... And, and giving reason for our faith, but we failed in preparing people to show faith to those who don't really care yeah. about reason. I agree. So, with that. so, so what how do, do we do that? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, what do we do? That's what that's what yeah, I was gonna ask. Yeah. Is how do we reach postmodernism? So, because we know it's not through explanation or logic or, you know, wh- whether we agree or disagree, that's just fact. Well, it's just truth. <laughs> that Where is it. We we're not gonna reach them through absolute truth. So what do we do? We have to reach them, right? We're called to. Yeah. So what do we do?
1: Um, Man, so Garrett sent us an article uh, earlier today.
0: That was my best Christian impression, by uh, the way. It's usually Christian <laughs> that, that does that. that. And was he good. was probably about to. And but I, I was, was ready for so. it, actually, but you took it from yeah, me. Sorry, <laughs> That's okay. Hey, no. Let's rewind that.
1: Bro. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Garrett sent us an article, and... Who who wrote that article? I didn't even see get to see uh, who wrote it.
2: it. It's by Bruce Hillman. He's a uh, lead pastor at Hillside Lutheran Brethren Church. Okay, so
1: he writes this thing. And wait, and I,
2: wait, and sucks <laughs> sucks Asuna, New Jersey. Oh, what a
0: what a name! That a is location. awesome. Sucks Never Asuna. been there. Here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna take the clip of Garrett saying that, <laughs> and that will be our new drop. <laughs> I will figure out a way to do drops, and then randomly we will just drop that in. That was at about what forty drops. What's a drop? Three minute. I can just play he's it. Just gonna play it. And then random times play through the podcast, audio, of course. Oh, that's a thing. I, yeah, like I can that. record it like a little clip and just play it for us. I gotta figure I out how to do it. But <laughs> I know you can do it. All right, go ahead. But
1: so the article, in Saskatchewan, um, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, like Saskatchewan New Jersey. <laughs> Jersey. I mean, Butcher that <laughs> 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 he was so excited to say it. I get He could it. not say it. <laughs> I didn't even say New Jersey. Right, the easiest part. Uh, <laughs> but, um, all right. So in this article, <laughs> I I listened to it in the car on the way here, and they had a very good point. So with this post modern society, Michael's mentioning, we, it's hard to reach through logic. It, it, it's hard to reach through um, just, you know, telling people our thoughts on God because they can think, oh, well, you believe that, but I believe something else. What I really got from the article that stuck out the most to me was they said what we're going to have to do to reach this era is our testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw, yeah that was Man, really that, like, I as soon as I was doing it, I, I was driving my car, so I put on the talk and I put it in yeah. my notes. And, man, that, like, stuck out to me because here's what they – Postmodern, they can say they'll believe like what you say, like oh yeah, like you can believe that, but I can believe this, so they're gonna accept your testimony. They're gonna accept
2: why the the context behind what you believe. Yeah. So if you show what brought you to this belief, yep. then they might be, huh? Yeah, that's that's a
1: and and, yeah. and I think that's gonna lead them. In, and you know, with your testimony, kind of goes with you displaying your faith in action as well. Um, so more than just, you know, just telling people your testimony, but when they see you do your testimony or when they see you live out your testimony for God in public, that's what people are looking for. That there, I think, and I really think this for our students too, is students don't want you to just hear, hear you babble on about God. They want to see, Hey, are you actually going to live it out? Mm. Um, because, I mean, they hear, they've heard pastors and they've seen pastors fall and they've heard these leaders and they've seen these leaders fall. What people want to know is, hey, are you real or not? Um, if you say this, then are, are you going to, uh, are you not just going to talk the talk, but are you going to walk the walk and live it out? And, and that's kind of what I've been seeing, especially even in my youth group is, I think my best ministry is, you know, I'm always going to preach the word of God and I'm I'm going to nail it into their heads that the Bible is truth and we need to follow it. But ding, ding, I have ding, to live it ding. out. Nail, nail <laughs> and it. Um, how do I live that out in front of them is what I'm working on. Because I believe when they see me acting it out, then they're going to be more susceptible to yeah. accept the gospel.
0: We, we've brought in in our youth group several times, several people from our church with their testimonies. And those are some of the most responsive nights I think we've had with our yeah. student ministry because um, they, they know my story, right? I've told my story a billion boring, times. You're boring. It's, they're tired of you. It's nothing new, <laughs> right? Um, but that guest like, speaker when he comes in. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, when when I, when I bring in, I've brought in some guys and some, some women that have some really great testimonies and all testimonies are great because it's your experience with God and God is great. So, um, But it really speaks to them and I see it like a visible reaction uh, on many of them. Not every one of them relates to everyone you know, every testimony, but um there's a visible reaction of like Yeah, wow, you you ex- like you experienced that? Like, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. you and then that's how God responded and there's a real connection there. Yeah. And so that maybe is an answer we've known all along, but yeah just to see it said that way is like, oh yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I, I think
2: another um important statement and, and Micah sent this out, um <clears throat>
0: I just, like, copy and pasted it from the guy's article. It wasn't, no, like, my brainchild. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, he, the in the article, um, and I, w- I was trying to search for it in the article, and, like, I just figured I'll go back and look at Micah's text <laughs> since it was a copy and paste. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the, the author says, Will postmodernists be more apt to care about the existence of God and like the truth of God's existence, or the fact that those who claim to love God don't appear to care about minorities. And that kind of made me think, whoa, yeah. like, are our, our actions, you know, Paul says that we are saved by faith, we are just about justified by faith, not by works. Now, he's not saying that to say that what we do is irrelevant, but he's saying that to say we don't earn our way into heaven. But then he goes on to say our faith should produce Mm -hmm. works that show our faith. And, you know, do our works do that? Are are Christians known to be people that care about minorities? Mm -hmm. Are Christians known to be people that care about those that are on the fringe of society? Are Christians known to be those who look out for the poor and the needy? You know, it used to be that way back in ancient Rome when the church first burst onto the scene that's why it grew it's because we were caring for the sick we were caring for the downtrodden we were caring for the diseased mm-hmm. while the rich and and um well off ran away from them and that's why we became well that's why the church became well wasn't known, it in and in the, and the black plague flipped. that the black plague but it then the there was christians also the christians stood up? yeah the christians stood in the black plague but there was also back in um Oh, gosh, I think it was in the 400s. No, it was in the, it was in the 100s. There was a plague that just ravished, um, ravished the empire. And the the emperor at that time wrote to one of the cults, like one of the, the pantheon of, um, like one of the, the priests of, of one of their gods, Roman gods, and like was mad at him because the Christians were caring for both Christian people And Pagan people and they pagans were going over to Christianity because Christianity was saying I I don't care what happens to me because I know where I'm going in eternity and the pagan cult leaders Were didn't show care because they didn't know what was going to happen in eternity and and so you know Historically that was what proved our faith that was what proved you know Man, they must really believe what they believe because they don't care what's going to happen to them. They're more concerned about the broken and downtrodden. I don't know that the church could make that statement unequivocally now.
1: Yeah, and you know John 14:15, um Jesus said, "If you love me, you will obey my commandments." Mm-hmm. And in this postmodern society, um in this post-truth world, one of the things we have to do as Christians um, no matter our ages, we are going to have to follow that. If you truly love God, we're going to have to obey His commandments and live it out. It, it's not enough to just quote Scripture and, and just say things. We're going to have to. Yeah,
2: we can't just tout reason. We yeah. have to
1: show why yeah, we, exactly. believe we believe. Exactly, and and maybe this is this is going to be good for the church. Yeah, you know, maybe this is where we're going to um, see great growth as Christians do this. But uh, and I, I shared this. I think I shared this a few podcasts ago, but Gandhi was famous for saying, you know, I love, um, I love Jesus. Like the, 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 the Christian God, like Jesus, man, he, what an awesome guy he was. Like, I love that. I just don't like his followers, yeah. you know, and cause they're not living to what he said. And that's the thing. If we want to reach people, we're going to have to live it out. Um, have faith, but you know, James said faith without works is dead. And we're going to have to see that. James
2: didn't write that. I think it's important to note, James didn't write that faith without works is dead in conflict to what Paul said about faith is more important than works. He wrote that because what was happening was the church was reading what Paul said and thought, well, as long as I have faith, it doesn't matter what I do. And James is saying, no, 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 listen, I know it's hard to understand, Paul. I know he writes eloquently and, and with detail. You know, that's Peter. Peter says that what Paul says is difficult to understand, and James would have asserted the same thing. But he's saying, even though faith is what saves you, without showing and proving your faith and living upon your faith and building upon your faith by what you do and by exemplifying Christ— it doesn't matter what you believe hmm. because it's null and void because obviously you don't believe it enough to be transformed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why he's saying faith without works is dead. Not that faith doesn't save you, right. but that your works prove how abundantly you are exactly. believing your faith. And um, you know the world looks at that. And if they see that we're professing one thing and acting another way, we're just another contradiction to
0: them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Post-modernism. Yeah.
0: It's good stuff. Good stuff. Do we have a
2: hum moment for the day or are we just closing that? That
0: up? was my hum moment right there. My hum moment is, I uh, can't think of nothing.
1: Yeah. I should have thought of something before.
2: I, mean, yeah, I didn't even think about it. I was huh. running around uh, all day today. No,
0: I think there's, I mean, I, I think there's there's good stuff in that. I think there's uh Plenty of hum. I think you had a hum. I, I hope you had a hum moment in the last. But I think postmodernism should just.
1: I mean, the whole topic in general should just make you kind of think like, huh, like, yeah. Oh shoot, this is really. And affecting what do we do society. with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna make you. Whether
0: fun. whether you agree with it or not, it, to be honest, it doesn't matter True because that. the people that do are still loved by Jesus, yep. and yeah. we still need to love them and show them that He loves them. So, so we got to figure out ways to do that. Yeah. And hopefully, we gave you some good ideas, and hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, you've learned something. Hopefully. Like me, I've, I've learned a lot in the last 50 minutes because I knew nothing and still, you know, know a little amount. So um, uh, hopefully there's something that piqued your interest. And you want to go read and learn more uh, yourself and, and what it means for your relationship with God and what it means with your relationship with others. Um, so that's our goal here is to help you learn more and hopefully uh, em- encourage and empower you to go and learn more about the topic or the scripture. So, Garrett, you want to close us in prayer? Yeah.
1: Hey, before you pray for us, just remember every time you subscribe, a puppy gets its wings. Uh, hey. Um, so on Spotify or from Apple the ASPCA. Music, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, don't, we would love it uh, if you subscribe to us. Get the puppy its wings. As many puppies uh, that gets their wings, the better. So, We could also just give them Red Bull. <laughs> or give <laughs> you Red Bull. Oh, here's a hum <laughs> moment. Uh, not,
0: hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. True. true. Well, but Red got, Bull. Do
1: do want. Red Bull? You know Red Bull got sued? <laughs> For saying it gave people wings, really? That's why if you look at the new Red Bull commercials, there's three eyes and wings. It used to just be regular wings, W I N G S. Yeah. Now there's three eyes because now they're saying guy, that's not a real word. It's not a real word. A guy sued him. He's like, I didn't get wings. Ain't that some? <laughs> ain't that some crazy stuff? <laughs> I bet he won a lot of money
0: on that too. Didn't <laughs> I bet he did. It? Red Bull should have just said that their logo, their uh slogan
2: was subjective truth. That exactly. Really <laughs> they should use the. I'm it. sure they tried it. <laughs> All right, well, pray for us for a get spiral out of control here. <laughs>
0: right, let's pray. Father God,
2: thank you for the love that you have for us, the love that we know is unconditional, even though we don't understand why you would impart it upon us. God, uh, prepare your church for what's li- what's lying ahead in-, in our society, what's lying ahead of us and our faith. Strengthen us and guide us into into the future so that we can do our best to stand firm on your promises, to stand firm on your truth, while also showing that truth to the world who so desperately needs you. God, thank you for the love that you have for us through your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.